How many people can remember those childhood dreams that you used to have? I, I'm telling you what, there's nothing better than talking to a, to a, a kid, a child, and hey, what do you want to be when you grew up? And so this morning, the title of my message is called, you, is, uh, called, You May Say I'm a Dreamer, But I'm Not the Only One. And uh, I remember my, my childhood dream uh, in second grade in particular, I had just read the book, Curious George and the Fireman. And, uh, and so I, that sealed it. I wanted to be a fireman. And I told my second grade, grade teacher, and she said, okay, so you want to get on the big red truck? I said, yeah. She said, you want to get the, 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 the uniform and the, the red hat, and you want to you know, sound the siren and honk the horn and drive through town? Yeah. And you want to slide down the pole when you get called? Yeah. And then you want to run into the fire and save people? And I said, no. I don't want to run into the fire and save anybody. I just want to, ha I want to look like a fireman and talk like a fireman and slide down the pole like a fireman. I would be the perfect, you know, uh, parade driver fireman, right? Drive the fire truck through the city, maybe carry Santa Claus on the back, what, you know, whatever. That's what I wanted to do, you know, in second grade. But my biggest dream of all, and, and this one's going to, it's going to embarrass me, I'm going to be honest. Uh, my dad was born and raised in Kentucky, and uh, so he's a big University of Kentucky Wildcat fan, uh, basketball, and, and uh, so he raised me, right? And my biggest dream, I see Keith down there talking about you know, Clemson. Clemson's no good in basketball. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so my biggest dream, I wanted to play for the University of Kentucky Wildcat basketball team. And so my dad was like, I'm going to set him up perfect. So I had a big backyard. And so he took part of the backyard and make, made like a half court basketball court for me. It was incredible. All my friends would, would come over a, a lot of times. But every day when I would walk out on that court, my little backyard basketball hoop became like a 30,000 seat arena. You know, I mean, it was like Rupp Arena. That's where the cats play. That's what, what it turned, in from, uh, turned into for me. I would walk onto the, uh, the, the pavement, onto the court, and immediately I could hear the crowds chanting my name. Row, 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 row. That, that's the name I gave myself. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So they're chanting, row, 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 row. Music's playing, you know, and then like the biggest part, you know, I, I would announce myself. You know, so it's like now starting for the Kentucky Wildcats, six foot four, sophomore, Jason Rhodes. And I would run out and like high five no one. And, uh, and you know, then the games would start. And the funny thing is six foot four, sophomore, I'm closer to five four. Yeah, I mean, my dad was six foot two. My mom was 4'11". Thanks, mom. Appreciate that. But it didn't stop there. I would play the game. And I'm talking about four quarters of the game. I had a little stopwatch. And I'm like, at the buzzer, clang, he missed it. He was fouled, right? And then I'd miss the free throws technical on the other coach. And I'd shoot free throws till I won. And so, so I played the game, but it didn't end there. And this is the embarrassing part. Uh, you know, a lot of times when people tell stories, I'm not going to say, preachers. But a lot of times when people, just people tell stories, they like exaggerate a little bit. And I promise you, 
I'm not exaggerating because I have tapes to prove this, right? I would walk into my house and into the locker room or my bedroom, (laughs) and I would do a post-game press conference. And I would record these for some reason so that now my kids could listen to them and say, Dad, you were a nut. So I would go into the locker room and I would record the post-game press conference and it would always start like this. Uh, today, I mean, I want to thank the Lord uh, and my teammates. I don't know why I changed my voice, but I did. I, I want to thank the Lord uh, and my teammates. Uh, if it wasn't for them, we could have never won today. If it wasn't for those eight technicals by the other coach, and I kept shooting for you, we wouldn't have won. And I said, but, you know, I'm a good player. I can shoot with my left hand, and I can shoot with my right hand. I'm amphibious. That's right. Amphibious. So today I want to talk to you about dreams. All right? I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. And as you're turning there, there's still days today when I watch the Wildcats play on TV and I say, that could have been me. And the Lord says, no, no, it never could have been you. Genesis 37, 5, it says this, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. I want to stop right there because one thing immediately stands out to me. said, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. That meant they already hated him. They despised him. They they could not stand him. And and uh, it says uh, in, in Genesis thirty-seven three, a couple of uh, uh, scriptures uh, above thirty-seven five. It says, "Now Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe or the coat of many colors as we know it, and they hated him more because the father." preferred Joseph over them. It wasn't the fact that, well, he was, you know, he was the youngest or it was this or that. They hated him because his father loved him more than he loved them. And they would go outside and they would work in the fields and they would take care of the father's flock. And Joseph would come from inside wearing his robe with his soft hands. And he would go out and he would check on his brothers from time to time. His dad would literally say, hey, go check on the guys. Make sure they're doing everything right. Make sure the the, uh, the the flock is being take, taken care of. Tell me what they're doing. Report back to me. And the brothers knew this. They would send Joseph as kind of a, a spy, kind of a tattletale. Now, I know that when I was growing up, I would watch my older sister a lot. I mean, I, I loved her. I adored her. I wanted to be like her in a lot of ways, like the way she sang and things like that. But like I would watch her for when she would mess up and I would run and tell my mom and dad, You won't believe what Rhonda's doing. She's not doing at all what you want her to do. And so then I would have to literally get up and go tell my parents. Now technology has, I mean, it's a great thing. Now uh, I I, I get a text from Jalen, my oldest daughter, and she'll say, Dad, I just want you to know Abby is not obeying. She's not doing what you've asked her to do. And um, listen, I, I think there needs to be some punishment. 
And Abby will then text me. She's like, I don't know if Jalen has texted you, but I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's just like, I, I look. And so that's what Joseph was doing. He was kind of the, the tattletale. He was kind of the guy that, that uh, his dad would, would send out. And the brothers just hated him and hated him and hated him. And then he came to them again, same kind of thing, a spy mission. And he comes to them, Genesis chapter 37 verse 7. And he says, guys, I've got a dream that I've had. I'm going to tell it to you. And he said, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That's some little brother, isn't it? Verse 8, his brother said, uh, do you intend to reign over him or reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him even more because of his dream and because of what he had said. Now, I want to tell you this. Then he said, I have another dream, a second dream. Then in the, uh, he said, I had another dream and he told it to his brothers. And he said, listen, uh, this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He said, I had one dream, your sheaves of grain were bowing down to me, and a second dream, the sun and moon and 11 stars were all bowing down to me. Now, now, students and kids, I want to tell you something. If you have a brother or a sister, they could be younger, they could be older, if you have a dream like that, don't tell them that dream. <laughs> I mean, even if it is a God dream. Listen, that was a dream that God had given to Joseph. And it was a specific dream for him. But he never should have told his brothers. And sometimes God gives us, us dreams and visions and goals and desires and things that we want to do and things that we want to accomplish. And yet we begin to tell people those dreams. And the first thing they want to do is kill that dream that's living on the inside of you. Even when you begin to have a God dream, even when I'm sure when Pastor Rob and Mary Beth were talking about, hey, God wants us to move back to South Carolina and he wants us to, to, to plant a church in the upstate. You know, he couldn't just tell anybody. For one, people would say, oh, don't go. We need you here. For another, uh, another person might say, you'll never be successful there. That's a tough place. That's a difficult place. There's already too many churches. When you begin to share dreams that God has put into your heart with the wrong people, a lot of times they'll try to kill that dream. Why? Because God is not speaking to them in that way. So you need to be careful. When God speaks to you, be careful who you share it with. Find a pastor, find a mentor, find a teacher, find a parent, someone that will believe with you and encourage you and stand with you. So there's Joseph again. He's walking out to spy in Genesis chapter 37, verse 19 and 20. And his brothers say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or pits and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dream. Again, there's going to be people that come into your life, sometimes even people that call themselves Christians, 
They call themselves your brothers. They call themselves believers. They're going to try to destroy that dream. And they're going to say they were never good enough to even do it. They were never good enough to accomplish it. They'll say, look what, let's see what happens to that big dreamer's dream. So his brothers wanted to kill him. So they threw him into this big pit. And as they were eating lunch and discussing their little brother and what they were going to do, uh, uh, Reuben said, listen, let's not, let's not kill him. Let's, maybe we could sell him into slavery. We'll sell him into slavery. We'll take his ornate robe and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll put blood on it. We'll take it back to dad and say an animal uh, killed Joseph. So that's what they decided to do. And uh, a group of, a caravan of Ishmaelites uh, were, were passing by. They took Joseph out of the pit and they sold him to some Ishmaelites. But I want you to imagine with me, if you will, Joseph is the beloved of his father, the very favorite. He had two dreams that said one day his brothers or his family are going to bow down to him. And yet he found himself in a pit. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that where, where Joseph must have been thinking, even for a moment, God, you gave me these dreams. I, I want to accomplish them. I want to fulfill them. And yet I find myself now in a pit. I find myself, am I going to die here? What's going to happen? The brothers were gone. I'm wondering what, what, must have, what must he have been thinking? Am I going to, to perish here? And, and, and yet uh, all the dreams that you've put in my heart, put in my life, they're not going to come, come to pass. Have you ever been there where you, you said, man, God, this is the dream that you have for me. And, and yet everything is not going according to plan. He said, I listen to your voice. I've tried to obey you. And yet I find myself in a place where I'm about, about to die. And, and maybe God's trying to speak to you again. And you said, I've listened to you once. I don't know if I could ever trust you again. Have you ever been there? You can hear God's voice but you're not sure if you can trust him. So Joseph was in the pit all by himself. Some of us have been in a pit of despair. We've been in a pit of, 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 of hopelessness and helplessness. Some of us have been in a pit of doubt, a pit of bitterness. And when we live our life in that kind of a pit of bitterness, a pit of, of depression, it literally eats us alive. And that's where Joseph found himself. And this morning, I, I, I want to challenge you that, that sometimes when you find yourself in that pit, it's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to, to stop believing. It's time to say, okay, God, I want to trust you. So they sold him to these Ishmaelites for 20 shekels. In my uh, limited study of what a shekel is, it was a little bit less than $20. So the beloved of the father was sold with his two dreams for less than $20. The Ishmaelites then take him into Egypt and they sell him to a man named Potiphar where he would be a slave in the house of Potiphar who was an Egyptian ruler. Genesis chapter 39 Verse 2 through 4 says this, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. 
when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor. I'm going to say that again. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household and he entrusted him, he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put in charge, uh, Joseph in charge of the household and all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Then uh, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. A young man, the beloved of his father, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, and he was a slave uh, uh, to his Egyptian master. And yet the Bible says, the scripture says, Joseph found favor. How can he find favor if he's a slave? How could he find favor if he was in the pit? How could he find favor if, if everything in his life seemingly is not going the way that it's supposed to go? It's, and this is what I found out and this is what I've learned even in my personal life. Our position or our surroundings does not determine if we have favor or not. Our position or our surroundings does not determine if we have favor or not. Listen, guys, we're living in one of the uh, strangest times in our country's history, definitely in our own personal life, where, I mean, you watch the news, there's good news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Then they say the good news was wrong, so it's all bad news. You're talking about, do I wear a mask or not wear a mask? I was walking into the first service this morning, and a, a, a lady said to another lady, do we hug or do we not hug? right? Sometimes we have found ourselves as a country in the pit of divisiveness, the pit of, of, of just jealousy and, and anger, and you don't look like me, so I hate you, and you don't vote like me, so I can't stand you, and, and, and yet God is saying, if you'll listen to me, it doesn't matter mask or not, I want to give you favor, I want to give you hope. I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. I want to give you all of those things. So our position and our surrounding does not determine, determine if we have favor or not. God determines that. You can say, I just got fired from my, God, from my job. And I can tell you, but God has still favored you. My, my family is falling apart, but God wants to still favor you. God the Father is your Father. And he loves you enough to bless you, to give you favor, to give you honor. Now, God's favor doesn't always look like success. God's favor doesn't always look like exactly what we want it to look like, but it's favor nonetheless. So Genesis chapter 39, verse 6 through 9. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now we get to the crazy part. There's Joseph. He's becoming the, the leader uh, of, of Potiphar's house. And then it says, in ver continue on verse 6, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. 
And after a while, his wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, I, I want to tell you, I, I think this is the reason the Lord wanted me to speak this message. Because uh, I think he wanted you to get a good picture of what Joseph might have looked like. 5'6", 250. Joseph was well-built and handsome. And one day, Potiphar's wife uh, approached him him and said, Joseph, come to bed with me. And Joseph refused. He said, with me in charge. He told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to me and my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? The next few verses, it says that day after day after day, she would ask him, Joseph, come to bed with me until one day she approached him and maybe she snuck, on, uh, snuck up on him and, and grabbed him to hug him. And he said, I'm going to get out of here. And so he, he, he fled so quickly that he left his cloak in her hand. And so she was going to do what she was going to do. She had felt that rejection from Joseph as she goes from, to, to Potiphar and says, I want to tell you that, that this slave that you brought into this house has tried to have his way with me. I have his cloak here to prove it. The scripture says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 19, that Potiphar burned with anger And then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. The pit, to slavery, to prison. Sometimes when you're dreaming, the dreams of God, false accusation and jealousy will lock you in a pit. Sometimes people will, uh, again, try to destroy that dream. If I can't have it, then you can't have it. If I can't do something great where I'm going to get a lot of glory, then I'm not going to allow you to do something great. He was locked in a prison because of the lie that was told on him. And sometimes our dreams seem unattainable and we're locked in a prison because we've failed and fallen short one too many times. I talk to students. I talk to adults. And so often they say, how can I ever uh, achieve the, the dreams that God has for me? Because I keep falling into the same pit of sin every single day. How can I accomplish anything God desires of me? Because I find myself in, uh, in slavery to the same sin, the same mistakes, the same fallings, the same failings. How can I achieve the dreams of God when I'm locked in a prison that I can't free myself from? But Joseph once again found favor. Joseph found favor with the warden of the prison because everything that Joseph did in the prison, imagine that it was blessed and it prospered. And the warden said, I'm pretty much going to give you my job. You could say to me today, Jason, that's not how my life is looking right now. 
Not everything that I'm doing or everything that, that, that I, I'm a part of is being blessed. I, sometimes I just, I, I, you know, I, I just feel like I don't know where to turn or what to do. I want to tell you this morning that a couple of years ago, Amanda and I were, we had been in, in full-time ministry for about 18 or 19 years at that time. And the Lord had called us to do something we had never done. And we were excited about it. It was a dream of mine. It was a dream to, uh, that, that we were going to be able to accomplish. And, and it was just, it was going to be absolutely incredible. So we went through two years of training and, and then everything that, that uh, you know, we were preparing for after two years. We were literally uh, weeks away from seeing that dream begin to come to pass. And we were told, you're not going to be able to do it. Our dream was dashed and taken from us. And we were locked in a prison of rejection for a long period of time. Sometimes when, when God gives you a dream, other people are going to tell you, you're not qualified. To fulfill that dream. You're not smart enough. You're, you're not gifted enough. You're, you're not the right attitude. You, you, you don't have the, the, the right understanding of what needs to happen. And, and so literally I, I remember sitting at the kitchen table with Amanda looking her in the eyes and saying we've been in full-time ministry for 18 years and God's given me this dream but it's not going to happen. And so I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to go get a regular job in California. Three regular jobs. No, I started working at a law firm and I, I worked at, a, at a, a beachside hotel as well. And, and I'll never forget, my heart was so broken. And I said, I'm just going to be a regular guy. Not good enough to do what God had called me to do. We're not going to have that opportunity. I'm still going to go to church. Still going to pay my tithes. But you know what? I'm just going to just be a regular guy. I'm going to relax. I'm going to throw in the towel. And there had to be times, even though Joseph was blessed in the prison, where he just said, this is where it ends. I'm basically the warden of a prison. And I'm just going to do this. I'm happy. I'm content. But even as I said those words, my heart was broken. And I would go back. Amanda doesn't. Oh, I'm sure she knows it, but she didn't see it. I'd go back to my room or I'd go to the job I was working. And I'd find a quiet place and I'd just weep. Because I knew that God had bigger dreams for me. I knew that there was something greater and that I was seemingly wasting my life away and I would cry out, God, why? Until one day when Pastor Rob and I connected and God said, Jason, I removed the other dream because I have a bigger dream for you. I removed the other dream because there were things standing in your way and, and while we could accomplish things and we could overcome things, yet God was saying, listen, I, I've got something bigger for you. 
something that you, you, you know, you've been crying out for, something you've been praying for. This is something I, I want to see uh, happen in your life. And, and, and so sometimes when we're dreaming the dreams of God and we're at the very point of, of throwing in the towel and giving in, and some of you like me maybe have even said those words, I quit. I'm done. God, I still love you, but it's just not what you told me it was going to be. But he said, I'm going to send you to South Carolina because there's a group of students at that church and in that city and in that county that maybe some of those students need to learn to dream again. Maybe some of those students wouldn't mind hearing the story of failure, rejection, and pain, and yet restoration and hope and joy. I want to tell you this morning that just like Joseph, I was locked in a prison of rejection literally sitting across the, a couch from a, from a pastor who said, you're not qualified. And I, li- I burned with anger, and I was bitter. And God said, I'm going to qualify you. I've called you, I've chosen you, and I'll anoint you. Today, that's what he's saying to you. The dreams that are in your heart, that God has given you, he is qualifying you for. You might find yourself in the pit. You might find yourself in slavery. You might find yourself in a prison. And yet God is saying, my promise is still true. So we find Joseph there in the prison and there was these two guys, a cup, ba- a cup bearer and a baker. They approached Joseph Why? He was in charge. And they said, hey, we each had a dream. Can you interpret this dream and tell us what what it means? Joseph said, well, I'll try. So the baker says, I had this certain dream, and he explains the dream. And Joseph, I think I might have changed this. Uh, I might not have told him the truth. But Joseph said, I know exactly what that dream means. That means you're about to die. Pharaoh is going to come get you out of prison and have you killed. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Thanks for the interpretation. So the cupbearer, if I was him, I was like, nah, never mind. I, I don't need to know the, the answer. But he said, all right. Uh, he said, your dream, this is what your dream means, that you're about to be called back to the service of Pharaoh. You're going back to the palace. And that's exactly what happened. And on the way out, Joseph says to the, the cupbearer, hey, can you tell Pharaoh that I have interpreted your dream and, you know, I'm a pretty good guy and maybe he can get me out of prison and sure, I won't forget about you. But of course he forgot about him. And so years went by, a couple of years, and Pharaoh had a dream and none of his wise men could interpret the dream. Finally, the cupbearer says, hey, there's a guy in prison Listen, he's told some amazing stories. He told about how his brother threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. And then he worked for Potiphar. Now he's in prison. And man, he just, he's an amazing guy. And everything he does is blessed. And he interpreted my dream. 
So Pharaoh brings him up and he begins to tell Joseph the dream. And this is what he said after uh, Pharaoh told him the dream. He said, I know exactly what your dream means. He said, there's going to be seven years of plenty. Seven years of everything that we could possibly uh, want and desire and need to, to run Egypt. We're going to have an overabundance of that. It made Pharaoh happy. And then he said, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. Seven years of destruction. Seven years of, of pestilence. Seven years of not having anything. Seven years of wearing a mask. Oh, no, 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 no. I hope it's not seven years. But there's going to be seven years of, of, of you know, it's, it's not going to be good. And he tells Pharaoh, but, but you know, I, I tell you if, you, if you put me in charge, uh, you know, I've got some wisdom here. I'm going to, uh, I'll put together a plan so that after the seven years of plenty, we'll have enough to last through the seven years of famine. And so that's what Pharaoh did. He puts Joseph in charge. And Joseph lays out the, the plan perfectly uh, during that seven years of plenty. He, he, you know, everything is being stored up and stored up. They have plenty to, to, uh, to, to eat and, and, you know, to share, to share with others uh, after when the seven years of uh, pestilence comes. And, yet, and also we find Pharaoh and he's doing what the other guys did. All he had to worry about was what he ate and what he drank. Joseph was running the show. And one day, some people from a far-off land came in and said, Joseph, we're the people of Israel. We're the, people, we're, we're the children of Israel. We're the children of Joseph, our children of Jacob. And Joseph looked at them, and obviously he knew immediately who they were. They were his brothers. And so, as the story continues, there's a few things that Joseph had them do. Finally, he stood before them. He began to sort of take off the, the things that would cause them to know who he was. And they began to look at him and realize, this is our brother. This is our brother who we sold into slavery. And they were filled immediately with regret. And then they bowed to him. This morning, I just want to encourage you, you. You may not understand exactly why certain things are happening the way they may be happening in your life. But there's going to come a moment like it did for Joseph where he saw his brother's and he saw his brothers bow to him, and immediately he saw that his dream come to pass. And it didn't come to pass. It was never really about Joseph. Joseph understood at that moment that it wasn't about his brothers bowing to him, but it was about the saving of his brothers' lives, the saving of the, the, the Egyptian lives, and the saving of literally the rest of the world. See, because when we begin to have the dreams of God, they're never about us. They're never because we deserve to dream God's dreams. They're always about the saving of many lives. This morning with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around or moving around in this moment,
I want to read to you what, what Joseph said to his brothers. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, this is one of my favorite scriptures in, in the entire word of God. And he looks at his brothers and he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said, you intended to harm me. You intended to kill me. You intended to destroy me and the dreams of God on the inside of me. But God intended it for what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And when you begin to dream the dreams of God, it's always for the saving of many lives. I'm convinced this morning that that is why the Lord has sent Amanda and I, not because we're great, not because we have things all together, but because God has given us a dream to see students in Traveler's Rest and in all of Greenville County to come to a salvation knowledge of, of God. And today, God has intended for you to continue to dream big dreams. You might find yourself today in the pit or prison. But he, wanted to, he wants to take you to the point of the palace so that you can see your dreams and his dreams fulfilled. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody moving around, there might be some of you in this place that would say, you know, Jason, I, I understand what you're saying, but I can't dream the dreams of God right now because at this point I, I'm not even living for the Lord. He's not, I'm not even, that doesn't mean you're a, a, not a good person. That doesn't mean you've never come to church or never prayed a prayer. But at this moment, you'd say, I'm not living for the Lord the way that I know that I should. If that's you this morning, he wants to give you new, fresh dreams, new vision, new desires. He wants to bring you redemption today. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it right back down. Today's my day. To, I see your hand in the, in the back. Today's my day to make things right with God. Anybody else? Today's my day to make things right. There might be some of you in this place that would say this morning, Jason, I, I love the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm living for Him, but I feel like some of the dreams that He's given me have faded away or have been taken away. And I want to see those dreams restored and accomplished. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand and I'll, I see your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. I see your hand. I see your hand. I, I want to see those dreams. They might not be fulfilled the way I anticipated, but I want to see them fulfilled. Father, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for every person in this auditorium today. I pray for those first, God, who are dreaming your dreams and, and yet they might feel locked in a prison or thrown in a pit. Maybe they're dis discouraged, depressed, or bitter. I pray that you would restore them today. 
that they wouldn't give up, they wouldn't quit, but they would stay faithful. Lord, I ask you to allow them to see those dreams fulfilled. Today, if you raise your hand for that first call, today's the day that you want to get your, your heart and life right. You want to get in right standing with God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And believers, I want you to pray this in support of them as well. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe you also rose again. Through faith in Jesus, I believe my life can change. And so I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive all my sin and change my life. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. I don't live for me anymore or this world. God, I want to live for you. Help me to do that. And so God, I thank you right now, even as I pray, according to your promise, my sin is forgiven and I am now right with God. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Father, I thank you for what you have done and what you have accomplished today. And God, I pray that you would just continue to make a way in our lives, Lord. Make a way with the dreams that you've put on the inside of us. In Jesus' name. Guys, I, I already love you. There's not a place in the world I'd rather be than right here. And uh, I can't wait to dream dreams and see them fulfilled with you guys. I love you. You're dismissed.